Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. As we sit and our hearts are prepared to receive the word of God this morning, you know, sometimes when a teacher speaks in the front of a class, she has to say, are you listening? Listen up, because this is very important. And I'd like to do that with you this morning. And here's why. I know that Pastor Andreas has been spending a lot of time recently. A couple of weeks ago, he went and spent three days praying and fasting. And I know that the Lord has downloaded a lot of things into his heart that pertain to our spiritual family, locally and internationally, for the season that comes, for the season that lies ahead. For us to walk in the fullness of what God has for us, we need to have a full understanding of what God is saying to us, that we can receive it and walk in it. So I encourage you, as Pastor Andreas comes to the pulpit this morning, make sure you have your notebooks ready. If you haven't got your notebooks, start sending yourself SMSs or emails. Take note of what the Lord is saying to us this morning, because Pastor Andreas is going to open something here today. Open your hearts to the Word of the Lord this morning. Because God is wanting to richly bless us and take us to a new place. Amen. Can we pray? Pastor Andreas, would you come up? Can we just pray over this Thank word, you, over the messenger of the Lord and over our hearts? Thank you. Father, we want to pray this morning. And we want to thank you for the word that you have given to us today through your servant, Pastor Andreas. I want to thank you for the time that he has taken to sit at your feet, to listen to your voice, to catch your heart concerning our fellowship, Lord God, and to come and communicate that to us. Father, we pray your anointing will rest upon him, that you would give him eloquence and liberty and sharing and great boldness to declare the word of the Lord, Father God, today. We also pray, Father God, for light and life to shine into our hearts, for illumination to come to our minds, that your word would find fertile soil in us today, and that it would produce a wonderful and a great harvest, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Michael. I am on. Am I not? You're on. I think so. Just a little. Good morning, church. Probably this is the wrong Sunday to bring this message, as a lot of our people are away currently. But, um, you know, I've got to share what's in my heart. I can't wait until you all come back. So those who are not here, I encourage to listen to our podcast or the recorded message that will be uploaded uh, for their benefit and for the benefit of others who are not part of our local family, but they scattered abroad. Michael, I was deeply touched by what you shared concerning the principle of the tithe. I uh, don't think I've heard it this way before. So thank you. Thank you. The title of my series of messages this morning is entitled, Enlarging Our Capacity of Reception. Enlarging Our Capacity of Reception. Now, I believe that this is going to be our theme, not just for this year that is coming in tomorrow, but I believe for the years to come for our spiritual family, both 
on the local front and international. And what I will endeavor to do in this series of teachings is set the course or the platform upon which our ministry, both locally and internationally, will run its course and focus its vision, outreaches, and activities. And so, this is the first teaching in the series, and I will focus this morning on the principle of believing. The principle of believing. I may not be able to finish part one today, so I will stop when I think you've had enough, and I will continue next week again. Michael has given me free reign of the pulpit these weeks. I don't know whether he realized what he was doing, but he said, Pastor, I realize you have the word, the now word of the Lord, so you have free reign, take the pulpit, run with it, and share as many weeks as you need to bring forth this word that we believe it's a word for us, not just for me, but for you. Whatever God tells me, he's also telling you, because you are part of the same family, you're part of the same body, and you're part of the same, um, how can I put it, uh, family. That's the best way that I can describe it. So, what the Lord has been impressing on my heart repeatedly in the last while, and while I went away to fast and pray, and I love those times when I could just sit quietly in the presence of the Lord without any distractions, without having to run and do some errands or whatever, and just focus and meditate on what God is saying. I have learned through the years to listen to my heart or my spirit. You know, your spirit knows far more than what you realize. Your spirit knows far more than what your head knows. Our head sometimes gets in the way because we're trying to figure everything out. How is it going to work? And, and you know, when you give too much emphasis on your intellect, it will confuse you. There is no exit. But when you learn to quieten your mind and your body and begin to listen to your spirit, because that is where the Holy Spirit dwells. He's not in your head. He's not in your emotions. He's deep down within your spirit. Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit and he will remain with you forever. So when he comes to live within us, he lives within our spirit man, or as we would say, our heart. Those who learn to listen to their heart will always prosper in every sphere of life. But it's an art, because there's so many voices coming at us. There is the voice of the world. There is the voice of the politicians. There is the voice of my own desires, the voice of my own feelings, the voice of my own flesh that constantly comes to me. And in the midst of all these voices, the voice of God or the voice of your spirit can be drowned. So therefore comes the need that from time to time you need to pull aside 
Quieten your mind. It's easy to quieten your body. You just sit down. But it's not that easy quieten your mind. Your mind will run all over the place at times, especially when you are concerned or stressed or worried about something. So quieten your mind takes time. That is why fasting helps you to quieten not just your body, but also your emotions and your intellect. And in that quietness, the still, small voice of your spirit begins to communicate with your mind. That's how you receive revelation. That's how you know things. You cannot explain how you know certain things, but you know that you know that you know, and you are assured of certain things. Not because you see them, not because you feel them, but because you have an inward revelation, or as we would call it, inside information. That is why people who learn to listen to their spirits know far more than those who have not been trained to listen to their hearts. In fact, I heard a preacher say once that the Holy Spirit say to him, Son, if you learn to listen to your spirit, I will make you rich. Because God knows where fine investments are. Imagine if you have invested in Bitcoin nine years ago. Hello. Well, so the Lord has been impressing on my heart constantly in the last few weeks or maybe even a couple of months and, and challenging me about enlarging our capacity of reception and making more room in our hearts and in our minds for a greater manifestation of God's goodness as we enter into this new season and the years to come from there on. So, it's important. In God's calendar, not in our calendar, you know, every year, I, I, I know preachers that they go away, seek the Lord, what's the word for this year, Lord? I believe God's calendar and God's timetable is different from ours. And in God's timetable and calendar, we have been in a brand new season since the day of the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, we are living in the third day. You know what the third day is? Is the day of resurrection, is the day of victory, is the day of favor and blessing is the year of the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. That is the season that we have been on since the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me make this note. We can only receive from God what we make room for. I'm going to say that again. We can only receive from God what we make room for. Say I bought a brand new car, I drive it out of the dealer, but before I had done that, I made sure, because you're not going to park hundreds and thousands of, of rands that you paid, that you're not going to park that car in the street, are you? 
You've got to make room to put it in. So I make sure my garage is clean and has room to receive this new blessing that I, I got and I purchased. That is why I say to you, many times we fail to receive what we ask of God because we have not prepared enough room to receive it. It's important you understand that. Some people ask for things they haven't made room to receive, nor do they have the ability to manage and hold what they have received from God. That's why many people lose their healing. They've been healed. God has touched them. There is, a, there is a testimony of a genuine miracle, and after a few weeks, they back sick again. What happened? They were not able to keep that which God has given them. That's why in the book of Revelation, they says, see that you hold fast that which you have gained, because there is a danger of losing it. Not that God is going to take it away from you, but there is one who is after the blessings that you've received, and if you don't keep and guard that which you have, it will be stolen and taken away from you. So, our reception is proportionate, not only proportionate to our capacity of receiving, but our ability to hold and manage that which God has blessed us with. It's not, let me say this, it's, it's not enough to receive something. Do you have the ability to hold, to maintain, and to manage that which you have received? And many people, that's why many business go bankrupt. Because they cannot hold the growth that comes into the company. They don't have the, the, the relational structure to hold that growth or that multiplication, so they lose it. it it's, you know, to spend years of building something that all of a sudden is collapsing, it, it's not wise, it's foolish. Are you with me? You understand where I'm coming from. What I'm sharing with you is wisdom from God. So, let me give you an example. I can go out today and buy one of the most expensive cars with 10 or 20% deposit. Get into it, drive it away from the dealer's place and park it into my garage for which I made room for. But the question is, do I have the ability to maintain the payments? Do I have the financial strength to service that car and to maintain and keep that blessing? Not unless I have the financial strength to do it. That's why we should, we should think things through before we do something, before we buy something. I can go and buy a bigger house and put a deposit down, but can I furnish the payments of that property? So that's what I'm talking about. Having the ability not only to receive, but also to hold, to manage that which God blesses us with. And that's what God is saying. I want you to enlarge your capacity of reception and your ability to hold that which I want to give you in the, in the years to come. 
In other words, we've got to grow up spiritually. We've got to mature. We've got to embrace more wisdom, more understanding, more knowledge how things work in the kingdom of God so that we are able to maintain the blessing of the Lord. Remember when Jesus said to the disciples, when they were fishing all night, they caught nothing. He said to them, cast your nets on the right side. They did. And the Bible says they caught so many fish that their nets began to break. God doesn't want our nets to break. Amen? They were not able to hold that many fish. You with me? So the nets broke and they lost the catch. So you know where I'm coming from. Now... People have been blessed with many things, many things in the past, but they could not keep them. They could not maintain or manage them because they did not have the capacity or the ability to do so. Now, that is why the Lord wants us to focus on how to enlarge our capacity of reception and our ability to hold and manage that which God gives us. Our prayer request, if it's to be answered, is not related to our asking, but it is related to our manage, our ability to manage and keep. Amen? That's why I want to share with you one of the definitions of faith that is recorded in Hebrews chapter one, chapter 11, verse 1, is the Greek word for substance. The English translation says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The Greek says it this way. In the Greek language, the word substance is, faith is the hypostasis of things hoped for. Can you say that word? Epostasis. What is, what is the meaning of the word epostasis? The Greek meaning of the word epostasis is the ability to hold and manage that which you receive. Hold, in other words, is not too heavy. You have an ability, that's what faith is. Faith not only receives from God, but has the ability to govern and manage that which we have received from God. Do you see that? That's the word hypostasis. If I can give you a picture of the definition of the word hypostasis, it is the pillars that hold up our highways. The pillars that hold up our bridges. That's hypostasis. That's the foundation that holds the blessing of God. And that's what God is after. The years to come, I believe, and that's what I heard from the Spirit of God. The years to come can be as great and as wonderful as we want them to be. In other words, It's not up to fate. It's not up to luck. 
They can be as wonderful as you want them to be, or should I say, as we can believe and expect them to be. They can be as wonderful and as blessed as you and I can believe and expect them to be. Why do I say that? The Bible says in Psalm 23, listen carefully, listen good. Surely, not maybe, not perhaps, but surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Because I'm a believer. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Is the Lord your shepherd? Then hear what the promise of God is to you, not just now, but for the years to come. He says, surely, I make this promise to you. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you. Oh, not some days, not half the year, not some of the year, but all of the days of your life. That's what God promises to the believer. Now, we have a choice. Do you know that believing is a choice? We have a choice. What are we going to believe? Our days don't have to be filled with fear and anxiety. Our days don't have to be filled with stress, with bitterness, unforgiveness, filled with hate and strife. We have a choice. We can fill our days with joy and gladness because in God's timetable, we are in what season? Season of grace and blessing since Jesus rose from the dead. It's available to us, but we have a choice. Sadly, though, most of us are ignorant and unaware of what this new day represents or what it means to us. Why do I say that? Because we continue to live below our privileges and below, far below of what the Lord has purchased and provided through his death and resurrection. The Bible says all of your needs, spiritual, material, mental, emotional, social, financial, have been met by the grace of God, by the supernatural power and ability of God. And someone else paid for it. Jesus paid for it. Paid for everything that you and I enjoy today, the blessing of the Lord. And so, to live below that privilege and to live far below of what Jesus purchased is an affront to the cross of Christ. Amen? Amen. If you go to the supermarket and out of your compassion, you go and purchase, for instance, 10,000 rands worth of grocery to feed five families for two months or for whatever. And there they go... And all they take is a loaf of bread, a pint of milk, and some rusks, and they leave. Wouldn't it be sad? Those things have been paid for. They've already been paid for. But because of ignorance, because of our lack of faith and believing, because of our perception, 
of how good and how kind God is. Why would God bless me? I'm just such a no good sinner. You know, I've been a bad boy yesterday. Or I've lived a life this and this and this. And we go on and we give so many excuses why we are not, why, would, why God would not bless me. Do you know that sometimes God has to argue with us in order to bless us? And I always bring up this example, my wife and I driving down the road many years ago, she's driving that old car, and I'm saying to her, by the inspiration of the Spirit, sweetheart, I'm going to buy you a brand new car, the one you love. She said, where are you going to find the money? She couldn't receive, no, she said, I'm happy with what I've got, thank you very much. I'll just stop. A few weeks later, we're driving down again. She's driving in that old car. And I said, sweetheart, by the, by the prompting of the Spirit, I'm going to buy you a brand new car, the very one that you like. She said, no, I'm quite happy with what I've got. Where are you going to get the money anyway? And the Lord whispered to me and said, see, I want to bless her, but she won't let me. Some of you are like that. Because you have such a low opinion or low self-esteem of yourself. You don't think you, you, you're worthy. You don't think you, you're good enough. Of course you're not good enough. Of course you're not worthy. But Jesus made you worthy through His blood. Amen. Amen. He said, He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. So that we might be made the righteousness of God. I didn't make myself righteous. God made me righteous. He took my sinfulness and my dirty robes and gave me the Lord's righteousness and the Lord's robes on the cross. There was a divine exchange that took place. So I was unworthy, but now I am worthy. I was a sinner, but now I'm no longer a sinner. I am righteous. I'm a child of God. I'm born of God. I have the life of God in me. And the Bible says, I am a joint heir with Christ. What belongs to Christ belongs to me. Not because of what I have done. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But the grace of God. The grace of God. So God said to me, that's how, that's how I deal with most of my... I have, to, I have to argue to bless them. I have to fight to bless them. Because you don't think you're worthy. You don't think you're good enough. You don't think you have enough faith. If you're a believer, you have faith. Who has heard of a believer who's unbelieving? Amen? Now... That's why God is giving me this message. You've got to open up your heart, he says. I want to encourage you through the word of the Lord today and challenge you. Because God challenged me to believe the gospel. Gospel is the good news. Evangelion. It's good news. It's not bad news. Amen. God is not angry with you. God is not upset with you. God is pleased with you because you are in Christ. Amen. So, to, to believe the good news of the gospel 
and open up your mind and your heart and experience the favor of God in your own personal life to greater degrees than you or I have ever known. That's what God wants to do in your life throughout this season. Enlarge your capacity. Change the way you think about yourself, about God. Amen? And about how good God is. We must not hesitate or be afraid to place our feet where we have never been before or go to places both in our imagination, in our way of thinking, as well as in the natural. Go as far as you've never been before with God. I'm sitting here with a handful of Greek people in the beginnings of this ministry. Maybe 10 of us, maybe less. By the inspiration of the Spirit, the Word of the Lord came. And he said to me and to them, I'm going to give you the finest building in the city of Cape Town and it's going to be absolutely debt-free. We do the calculations. In those days, it's like 25 million today. And here there's just a handful of people and everybody's looking at me and looking at each other. Does Andrea know something we don't know? Where's the money going to come from? You know what? They didn't believe it. I had to argue. I had to try and persuade them to open up the hearts, to open up the minds. That God, He loves us and He's good to us. And He's going to do that for us simply because we dare to believe. Well, they didn't believe. You know what God had to do? He had to let them go before He could give us what we have today. You know, when you walk with unbelieving people, with negative people, with fearful people, God cannot bless you. You've got to step out of that atmosphere. Are you listening to me? Our greatest enemy is the spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief. Someone said... I would rather have bootleggers in my, in my congregation than doubt peddlers. Negative. Doubt. Always complaining. Always unhappy. Always fault-finding. Get rid of that! Because it's killing you and it's killing us. Well... God did it. God did so many other things that I would not be able to do in my own strength. Amen. God wants to challenge your perception of Him and the way He works. So we must not hesitate to go further deeper, higher, and believe God for much more. One morning I was sitting before the Lord. That was months and months ago. He said, stretch. I said, what funny word to do. Stretch. I said, Lord, how far? He said, stretch. And I'm stretching now. And I'm sitting before God. And God says, stretch. And I'm stretching. And he says, stretch wider. And I'm stretching wider. And he says, well, you're going to have to do that if you are ready to receive what I have planned for you. 
Now, the foundational scriptures for I want to, well, what, I, what I have already began to share with you this morning, and I believe this is the word of the Lord for the household that is called Alpha and Omega. By the way, is Omega, not Omega. Mega in the Greek is a fly. And I remember the late Steve Spiros, when he heard us say Alpha and Omega, he was upset and he was frightened. He said, not Omega, it's Omega. Can you say Omega? Omega. It is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Jesus said, I am the Alpha, the beginning, and the Omega, the end. This is the word for those who are part of this member of this family of the spiritual household it is recorded in isaiah 54 verses 2 and 3 and you need to take these verses and meditate on them write them down read them again and again think on them ask god to minister these words to you on a personal level what does it mean to you it could mean different things to different people but to you, what does it mean? What is God endeavoring to communicate to you, to your spirit, to your way of thinking when you read these words? Listen to them. And I want to put them up, please, on both translations. The New King James Version and the ERV. ERV stands for Easy Reading Version. For some of us who are not so... Bible scholars, let's put it that way. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Why? Strengthen your capacity, strengthen your reception. Enlarge your ability to receive from me. Why? For you, say me, me, shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. And the other translation, let me read it from the plainer one. Make your tent bigger. Open your doors wide. Open the doors of your mind. Open the doors of your heart. Wider. Stretch. Don't think small. Don't think small. That's, that is most of our problem. Our thoughts are too small. Because we don't know God the way we should. Those who intimately walk with God and know God, they think big. It's not boasting, it's not arrogance. It is faith and humility. David had big thoughts. His brothers had small thoughts. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, talking about Goliath, who is blaspheming the name of God and embarrassing the armies of the living God? I will go and take his head off. Do you think that was small thinking? 
No, that was courageous, bold, and big thinking. He was only about this height, and he was only 16 years old. And the giant was a man, experienced man of war. Higher, probably seven feet tall. You see, David wasn't thinking small. Why? Because he spent his time in the presence of the Lord, and he came out of a fresh anointing. Amen? And he said, I'm going to take this giant out for you. While you hide in the trenches, I will go and fight. And they thought he was proud and arrogant. Sometimes we confuse faith with arrogance. When I say to the folks, God is going to give us this beautiful building debt-free, they thought I was too proud. Why? They, 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 they talked among themselves and said, why does, why does Andrea want this big, fancy building? Why can't he be satisfied with a shack, a little place, you know, that just, just could sit, just, just 20 of us? This is how we think sometimes. Me, mine, and myself, and us four, and no more. God says, open up your mind. I have wonderful things in store for you. You have not realized yet your potential nor your capacity because you don't know who you really are yet. You're not an ordinary human being. You are a supernatural human being because the supernatural God, spirit of the living God, lives and dwells within us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Yeah, we know it, but do we believe it? That's the question. There's a difference between knowing and believing. Amen? Now, he says, make your tent bigger. Open your doors wide. Don't think small. Make your tent large and strong because you will grow in all directions. Your children will take over many nations and live in the cities that were destroyed. Now, before we examine these words, let me remind you that Isaiah 54 comes after Isaiah 53. Brilliant revelation. <laughs> Isaiah 54 comes after Isaiah 53. Do you know what Isaiah 53 is all about? Anyone? Who? It is a prophetic picture of the suffering Messiah. That's Isaiah chapter 53. It is the entire prophetic picture, the way Isaiah the prophet saw it, as the Messiah went to the cross. Listen to some of these words. He was despised and he was rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? Christ, the Messiah. 
It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. And he goes on to say, he was beaten so that we could be whole. You have a right to be whole. You have a right to be restored. You have a right to be healed. You have a right to be delivered. You have a right to live a life that is pleasing to God. Amen? That's why. Because he was beaten so that we could be whole. It's not God beating you. As some ignorant people would say, oh, this is just God punishing him. No, God, why would God punish Jesus and then come back and punish you? There would be injustice. He was beaten, he was punished, so that you could escape the beating and the punishment and receive the blessing and the healing and the restoration. Amen. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep have strayed away, we have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and never deceived anyone. And he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief so that we could escape the fires of hell and all that goes with the wages of sin. Do you see? That's why Isaiah 54 comes and he says, hey, it's a new day. It's a new season. Amen. Not just next year, but for the years to come for your life. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. What will you believe? You have a choice. God says, behold, I have said before you, what? Life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you may live and your seed after you. It's not just about you, it's about your children and your grandchildren and the next generation. What you decide will affect them. You live right, they will be blessed. Amen. So what is the Spirit of God saying to us? As we look at these, these words and meditate and ponder on them. Well, this is what I believe. And I'm inviting you to believe God with me and join your faith with me so that we walk on the same level of faith. So that I don't have the same arguments I had with my previous congregation. Otherwise, the Lord may remove you before He blesses. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Sometimes God takes people out so he can bless you. It, it's unkind, but it's true. 
What did God do with those rebellious people in the desert? He let them all die, and he led the new generation into the promised land. Why? He couldn't take them in. Why? Because of unbelief. That's what the Scripture says. Because of unbelief, they could not possess the promises of God. That's why we can't possess the promises, the blessing, the, the goodness that we should experience from the Lord because of our unbelief. Thank you very much, Brother Rob. So that our faith could rise to the same level for a greater manifestation and demonstrations of God's goodness and God's love and grace toward us. I believe God is good. He's been good to me for 40 years. And he's becoming gooder and gooder. <laughs> As Brother Jerry says. You know, that's not a proper English word. I'm blessed. I'm blessed going out and I'm blessed coming in. Amen. You blessed. If you can just wake up. So God is encouraging us to enlarge our way of thinking, our way of believing, and stop thinking and believing small. He's challenging, first of all, our perceptions, our way of thinking, as well as our capacity of receiving the blessing from Him. This is what He's saying to you. And I'm going to close here, because I don't have time to finish part one. Michael, you're going to wait a long time before you take the pulpit. He's saying, listen to what he's saying to you. I have so much more to show you. So much more to give you. So much more to bless you with. But you're going to have to give me a greater and a larger room in your mind and in your heart. Can we do that? Huh? You're going to have to give me larger space. I am too constrained. You're putting, you're putting handcuffs on me. Take the handcuffs off of me. That's what he's saying. The word says in the book of Ephesians, the exceeding greatness of his power is at work to do much more than what we think or what we ask for but it is according to the power that is at work within us. And that power is called faith. So uncuff his hands. Can you do that? Can you uncuff the Lord's hands? You mean to tell me this great God, the God of the universe the one who created all that is visible and invisible, thrones, principalities, this vast galaxies, allows me to cuff him? Yes. They did it to Jesus. He went to his hometown, anointed by the Spirit of God to heal the sick, to open blind eyes, to set the captives free. And the Bible says, he could do no mighty work in his own town because they did not believe him. Did you ever read that in your Bible? It doesn't say 
he wouldn't do any mighty works. He, it says he couldn't. God has, how can I put it, regulated his power that it would work only if we would believe. Unbelief shuts it down. Fear shuts it down. Doubt shuts it down. Amen? So, the question is, how much can you receive from him? Amen? God is asking you. It's like the other day, I was, I was sitting, meditating, praying, talking to God in my thoughts. I, I don't pray out loud anymore. I don't know. Maybe I've grown too old. But, I, you know, I know God hears me, even my, the, the smallest whisper in my heart. Some people think if they don't shout enough, God will not hear them. So they get all emotional, start shouting, foaming at the mouth. Hey, God is not deaf. He can hear the whisper of your heart. And it was like the Lord was standing before me saying, Son, the exceeding greatness of my power is at your disposal. What can I do for you? Hey. What, what would you say? The Lord appears to you in all of his glory, standing before you with his hands wide open. You know, we talk so often about the, wonder, the wonders and the privilege of serving God. But I believe God is also serving us every single day. He provides for us. He takes care of us. He protects us from all evil. Amen. He delivers us. He renews our youth like that of an eagle. That's what the scripture says. Imagine the Lord appearing in all of his glory and power and says, son, daughter, good morning. Here I am. What can I do for you today? What can you believe me for? Hmm? Will you be challenged? I know, I was challenged. Many times the Lord would stop at the cry of a beggar and he would leave multitudes just looking and staring and wondering and walk towards that beggar and says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. He knew what he wanted. Most of us don't know what we want. We think we may want this, but, you know, when you get it, you realize it's not what you really want. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want? What can you believe me for? He said, give my power greater room to work in your life, your family, your relationships, your finances, and your circumstances. What can you believe me for? What can I do for you this year and the years to come? Where do you want to go? Do you have a purpose? Do you have a plan of action? Or do you just want to waste your life? Hmm? Let's stand. I want you to leave this place deep in thought, challenged. Am I believing for small things? Am I believing for small things? 
You know, God looks at our faith sometimes and our requests, and he says, <laughs> he turns to his son, he says, son, you know, that's all they can, that's all they can believe me for. And yet I have all this treasure for them. The word says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the mind of man the things that God has prepared for you because you love him. Let's tap into those things, folks, by the revelation of the Spirit. I'm going to take you on a journey this month that is coming. I pray that you're not going to miss anything of what God wants to say to you. Because God wants to take you on a journey that you've never been before. He wants you to experience what you have not experienced before. He wants you to taste the goodness of God like you've never tasted it before. So I want to work your appetite up. Do you want to close in prayer or, or what, Michael? I just want to say something. Okay, and then I will yes. conclude. Thank you. You could just put up James, I saw something, and as I saw it this morning, it popped. I've never seen this before. Enlarge the place of your tent. That speaks to me. That is your responsibility. But then it says, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Who is them? Them is somebody else. And the Lord is saying to you this morning, that from this pulpit, and I believe this is a prophetic word from the Lord, from this pulpit, from the mouths of your pastors, maybe from the mouths of your employers, God is going to start enlarging and stretching out your tent through people, challenging you, calling you to think higher, calling you up. And the word of the Lord is let them. Let them. Don't resist. Let them. Stretch out your tent. Thank you, Michael. Indeed. Let them. Don't argue with them. Don't try to justify your wrongs, your doubts, your unbelief, your fears. Yes, but. Let them. Let them confront you. Let them stretch you. Let them speak into your life. Don't try and defend your position. Don't defend your rights. Listen to what they're saying. Because God is sending them to stretch you and call you higher than you've ever been before. Amen. Amen? Now, I have a confession of faith that I want us to pray together. And I've asked uh, Siobhan to put it up so that you can confess this. You know, in the, in the, in the early years of Christianity, they had a name for, for believers. They were called the great confessors because they always confessed their faith. Amen? So I want to lead you in a confession of your faith today. So open your mouth and speak, because faith has a voice. Amen? Can you put it up, please? Let's do this together. I am a believer, not a doubter. I believe God. I believe His Word. I believe the greatness of His power is at work on my behalf. Every single day to preserve and protect me from all evil. I believe God's power is at work 
every day, healing my body, forgiving my sin, renewing my youth, as well as providing an abundance of financial provision. I do not lack. I have sufficiency in all things so that I can bless every good work. And I confess that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.